Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Against the advice of my parents, I started working at a bikini coffee stand when I was 17 years old and continued working there until I was 20. If you are unfamiliar with the bikini coffee stands, they are little drive through espresso stands where the employees all wear lingerie or bikinis while they serve coffee. I know this sounds strange, and believe me, it is strange. However, the money was good. It was fun at the time, and my parents couldn't really afford to pay for college. There is no loudspeaker where customers place their order. They simply drive up to the stand, order coffee, and make small talk with you and your skimpy assemble. Anyway, it's kind of hard to explain, so maybe just Google it. The Seattle area has them all over the place. Within a matter of months, the boss gave me the busiest shift. The shift began at 4 a.m. and ended at 9.30 a.m. Though the coffee stand was not officially open until 4.30, I had to count the till, grind the espresso beans, fill up the sinks, take stock, clean if needed, etc. The coffee stand was situated in the corner of a large parking lot, sharing the enormous empty lot with only one other retailer. The other retailer didn't open until 10 a.m., and so when I arrived, the lot was completely dark. Save for one dim street lamp above the stand, and another in the far corner of the lot. I pulled up to the stand as I normally did, only this time, it was my first shift alone. Normally, I worked with one other girl, as the shift would get far too busy for just one person. I had a routine with regular customers, as I literally worked every single day. The boss didn't believe in time off unless requested. While I worked, I could see cars approach the stand and know immediately what drink to prepare based on recognizing a regular customer's vehicle. After almost a year on the morning shift, it was rare to see a new vehicle or meet a new customer. My boss was extremely strict about being fast and efficient and would have us prepare drinks in advance for our regulars while they waited in the line of cars. My boss was so strict that for the first six months of my working there, he would watch me constantly on his camera system and call me on the business phone to scream at me for lack of efficiency. After this, I became so fast at preparing drinks I guess he decided he would save money by having me work alone in the very early morning hours. He was also very stingy too. So like normal, I approached the stand and punched in the access code. I went inside and turned on some music right away to keep myself company. 
the street lamp directly above the coffee stand had burnt out a few days before, so it was rather dark outside. Coupled with the tinted sliding windows of the coffee stand and the knowledge that I was completely alone, I felt a little creeped out. Though not nearly as creeped out and terrified as I was about to feel in a few minutes. Even though the stand was technically open at 4.30, I wouldn't expect my first customer until about 4.45. I usually arrived at 4 o'clock, but since it was my first shift alone, I came in at 3.30 to give myself enough time to complete all of the opening task. My first customer was always Dave. He drove a red sports car and ordered a double cappuccino heavy on the foam. He worked for the local Boeing plant and would brag about his high-ranking job in between awkward remarks about my body. You get used to this sort of thing after a while, but nothing could prepare me for the sort of thing that happened to me on this particular dark morning. Though many of our customers were pervy men like Dave, most of the early morning customers weren't as lecherous as one would expect. They simply needed coffee and no other business was open as early as ours. In fact, many of my early morning customers were married women in soccer mom vans in desperate need of caffeine. I glanced up at the clock as I counted the money in the till. 3.50 a.m. I finished the count and walked from the back of the stand onto the main floor. There were two steps separating the back of the stand from the main floor. The back of the stand had no windows and contained the bathroom, large refrigerator, washer, dryer, etc. This is the area where my coworkers and myself would get ready and joke around where customers couldn't see us. As soon as we walked into the main floor, where customers could see us, uniform was required, meaning lingerie or bikini, as well as heels. That morning, I was wearing a matching pink lingerie set with knit stockings. The lingerie fully covered my breast and buttocks and provided more coverage than a typical bikini you would see at the beach. I counted all of the syrup bottles. I opened the fridge and took stock inside. I turned on the espresso grinder and robotically poured in a bag of espresso beans. I started filling up the large commercial sink with soapy water. Music played softly on the stereo. Then I heard it. Over the noise of the faucet, coffee grinder, and the music... I wasn't sure I heard anything at first, so I just ignored it. Then I heard it again. Someone was tapping on the sliding glass window of the stand. I wiped off my wet hands and grabbed my cell phone. 4.15 a.m. We weren't open for another 15 minutes. I checked the light switches to make sure I didn't accidentally flip on the open sign. Along with an open sign, the stand was equipped with bright floodlights to illuminate the presence of the stand. Due to the sheer darkness that morning, I had contemplated on turning on the floodlights when I first arrived, but it was strictly forbidden to do so 
until the stand was open. Without the floodlights on and through the tinted glass, I could not see who was on the other side. I stood there, staring at the window. Maybe it's just Dave, I rationalized to myself. I could hear my heart thumping in my ears. The tapping had definitely grew louder. I picked up the business phone and punched in my boss's number. He had an extensive camera system, complete with night vision, and could see in real time both inside and outside of the stand. In the very least, he could tell me who was outside. The phone rang and rang. No answer. I flipped on the floodlights. I walked over to the window and saw the man now illuminated by the bright lights. His head was pressed up against the glass, hands cupped around his eyes as he tried to see in. I jumped back. Hi! He yelled through the glass. Can I get some coffee? We aren't open for another 15 minutes, I replied. My boss will be mad if I open early. Oh, well, I can wait. The man then walked away from the window and stepped into a small black Honda. I continued my opening duties, warily eyeing the black Honda. At the time, I felt a false sense of security, lulled into the daily routine of my shift. However, this was different. At 4.30, I turned on the open sign and watched as the man in the black Honda drove up to the window. He was wearing a dark red baseball cap, a thermal shirt, and pajama pants. I opened the sliding window. Hi, sorry about that. What can I get for you this morning? I said, trying to sound as normal as possible. The man looked at me for what felt like an eternity. What I want doesn't appear to be on the menu, he said, not looking up from my crotch. Okay, so, I know what you're thinking. What did I expect working in this profession? Gentlemen? I brushed this comment aside with a laugh. <laughs> we have a great white chocolate mocha. I looked around frantically. Where the fuck was the usual morning guy, Dave? I silently prayed another customer would pull up behind this guy. He looked away and stared at his steering wheel. I want you to be my maid. Excuse me? I said, not sure if I heard him correctly. I want you to be my maid. I want you to come over to my house wearing a maid costume with nothing underneath. I want to watch you. And if you don't clean correctly, I'm going to do whatever I want to you. He paused and gripped his steering wheel tightly. I'm not a nice guy. He looked up at me and smiled. Until that point in my life, I had never seen a truly sinister smile before. I slammed the long-serving window shut. I ran to the back of the stand, hyperventilating at this point. I picked up the phone and called to my boss repeatedly. No answer. I stood on the steps and peered out the window. The black Honda was gone, replaced by the familiar red of Dave's sports car. 
I never thought I would be happy to see pervy Dave. But here I was, rushing to the serving window to tell him what had happened. I opened the window, all the while frantically relaying my story. Dave just laughed and muttered something about the guy dreaming. He told me that I was being paranoid and the guy just had no filter. For some reason, this put me at ease. Dave reached his hand out to the window to place a $5 bill in my tip jar. Wow, he said. You just opened and your tip jar is already full. I know you make good coffee, but it's not that great. Huh? I said, slamming the register shut. The tip jar rested on the outside window ledge so customers could reach it. I made it a habit of just leaving it outside in between customers as it could get very busy. I leaned over and looked into the metal canister. Inside the tip jar was a long white envelope that appeared to be stuffed to its capacity. My stomach turned as I knew it had to be from that guy in the black Honda. Dave, I said cautiously, it's from that guy I just told you about. I'm not opening that. Dave sipped his cappuccino and suddenly his goofy demeanor turned serious. You're right. Let me open it. I have gloves. It was late fall and rather cold out. Dave put on his gloves in a dramatic manner, laughing about my paranoia and proceeded to step outside of his car. He took the envelope out of my tip jar and opened it. Holy shit, he said, his eyes widening. He held up a stack of $20 bills held together by a rubber band. On the back of the stack was a folded up piece of paper. He unfolded the paper and began reading it. His eyes grew even wider. His hands were shaking ever so slightly. What? What does it say? He simply said, Get dressed and call the police. I snatched the note from him, his jaw slightly agape. The note was laden with spelling errors and looked as if it was written in a child's hand. Oddly, there were rather long words that were attempted but spelt incorrectly. It said some very deranged things. There are some things too sick to mention here, but I will relay the basic message as best as I can recall. Some things you just never forget, even if you want to. So here it is. You will come to my house. When you arrive, I will examine you thoroughly. I will tie you to the post and you will be punished for what you do. Every inch of your body will be bruised and sore. Afterward, I will untie you and use you in every way possible. You can scream, but no one will hear you. This is your first payment. Upon reading this note and taking this money, you have agreed to follow through. If you do not follow through, you are a stealing, lying whore, and you will be punished more severely than if you cooperated to this initial agreement. You will clean every inch of my house. There would be no mistakes, or there would be more punishment to follow. I got dressed and called the police 
and my boss who finally answered. The police arrived and I went to the station to explain in detail what happened. I handed them the note along with the money for evidence. The female police officer who appeared to be in charge nonchalantly told me that I should probably quit my job, that this behavior was to be expected from customers. I told her that I had never experienced anything like this before. My boss reviewed the outside videotape footage. The footage showed a man standing outside of the coffee stand window, just staring inside. Occasionally, it showed him leaning his head into the glass and cupping his hands around his eyes for a better view. It also showed him rubbing his crotch. Apparently, he had been standing outside the window since 3.40 a.m., 10 minutes after my initial arrival. At one point, it showed him going back into his car, only to re-emerge several minutes later and finally tap on the window. I was shocked to realize that the man had been watching me for almost a full hour without my knowledge. I felt stupid, but most of all, scared. The footage also revealed that the man had his license plates covered with what appeared to be white paper. After reviewing the footage and the note, the police decided that the man posed a potential threat and that this behavior was not normal. They sent an undercover cop back to the stand with me. I was shocked that they wanted me to go right back to work not even two hours after the incident. The cop sat outside in an SUV while I worked. The plan was this. If the man drove through again, I was to flick the open sign on and off to alert him of the man's presence. I worked, serving all of my regular customers, trying my best to pretend nothing happened. I was told not to recall the incident to any of my coworkers or customers that morning in case they knew the man and warned him of police involvement. The man did not return that day, but he did return. Little did I know, that day was only the beginning of a year-long nightmare. The stalking continued for a while. The stalker left endless creepy gifts for me, both at work and at my place of residence. It got to a point where I couldn't prove it was him, because it would often be sent by a courier or a third party. He continued to come by the stand, and at one point even promised to leave me alone. My co-worker was there, and we actually managed to have a very brief discussion in which he apologized and agreed that his behavior was inappropriate. However, he resumed this creepy behavior just days later. The police were of no help and kept insisting to me that it would all go away if I just quit my job. I had his license plate and vehicle description, but apparently the car wasn't even registered. Despite taking a leave of absence, the stalking continued. I didn't want to quit my job as this was shortly after the recession. My mom had lost her job, 
so I wanted to chip in and help her so they wouldn't lose the house. Other bikini stands in the area were not hiring due to being embroiled in prostitution scandals, all of which were heavily covered by the national media. You have no idea how hard it is to get a normal job after having worked as a bikini barista. Employers don't like it on your job history too much. The few of the scariest incidents were being assaulted at an ice freezer outside of the coffee stand. Thankfully, he didn't harm me physically, just grabbed me and touched me inappropriately. One day, he even came through the drive-thru completely naked while jacking off into a pair of women's underwear. Another incident occurred when my friend gave me a joint a customer had left for me on her shift. Crazy as it may sound, my regulars would often leave joints in my tip jar instead of money. I asked my coworker for the customer's name, but she didn't get a chance to ask for it. I was told by my friend slash coworker that he had long hair and looked like a hippie. This fit the description of the customer who would regularly leave joints in my tip jar. I smoked a joint before I went to sleep one night, only to have a massive freakout, full of hallucinations, hysteria. I literally thought I saw a ghost, demons, and fire. I ended up in the hospital. I found out in the hospital that, in addition to having marijuana in my system, I also had a bunch of PCP in my system as well. The guy whose actual name was Turner, would take credit for this joint by sending a text to my phone, letting me know that if I wanted him to smoke me out, that we could get together sometime. Of course, I gave his number to the police. I feel like I gave them enough information to get this guy, but I was just never taken seriously, or they had bigger fish to fry. But they did find out, however that the phone he used was a burner. In this period of time, it was evident that one of my coworkers was sharing my personal information with Turner in exchange for money, or maybe just because she didn't like me. This coworker was later arrested on prostitution charges. I ended up relocating and changing my last name, which is surprisingly easy to do. I did this primarily to get away from Turner, but also so I could get a fresh start with a new employment history and get away from the negative energy that had encircled my life. I had taken nude photos of myself for my boyfriend at the time, and after we broke up, he leaked them to everyone in my contact list, including my coworkers. Of course, this meant Turner most likely got a hold of my photos as well. It may seem strange to you, but after a while, the stalking became a part of my life. It's kind of like living around a bunch of rattlesnakes. You may feel constantly on guard and on edge, but eventually, you work your daily routine around trying your best to avoid the snakes so you won't get bitten. When it happens, you do your best to move on. I have recently found out that a man fitting my stalker's description 
was incarcerated some time ago for doing something even more frightening to another barista in the PNW. There were also similar incidences and reports of a man driving through bikini stands naked or with women's underwear. I suspect that this man was most likely Turner. I cannot be sure it is the same person as I never was able to find out this person's true first and last name. But I am hopeful that it is him and he will be locked away for a very long time. When I started college in the fall of 2014, I decided that I needed to get a part-time job to help keep up with the daily cost of commuting to school. It took quite a bit of time to find jobs that were hiring someone with no experience, and eventually I landed in a fast food job. I hated it. After about a month of working there, I couldn't take it anymore. And I quit. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. One day, while sitting in my math class, I was chatting to my classmate about how annoyed I had been with my previous job and how I was looking for a new one. She then told me that the place she worked at was hiring and that I would be a perfect fit. She told me it was a small, privately owned bakery and that the owner liked to hire young, pretty girls to work the register. Even better, it was only a five minute drive from my college. She told me she'd speak to her boss about me and the next day I got a call to set up an interview. When I went in for an interview, I met the owner, Tasha, who was a young pretty woman. She gave me a quick rundown on how the store was run and explained to me that the employees almost always worked alone due to the fact that all of the baked goods were made in the morning by the bakers and all the employees had to do was decorate them with frosting in the kitchen if they ran out of goods up front. This seemed easy enough and after filling out some paperwork, she told me to come in for training next week. The job was exceptionally easy. After about two weeks working there, I really started to get the hang of things. Because of how often I worked with customers, I started to develop a really cheery attitude and was very friendly to people, even if they weren't always friendly to me. I enjoyed running the shop alone because I tend to feel stressed when I have a manager standing over my shoulder constantly. On top of that, I always felt safe because we had multiple cameras throughout the bakery. The feeling of safety that I had was gone after about two months of working there. I usually worked the evening shifts, which meant that I was the person who closed down the shop at night and cleaned everything up. One night, Around 7 p.m., I was sitting alone in the dining area, folding some boxes. No customers had been in for about 40 minutes, and I was lost in all of the work I was doing. Suddenly, I heard the loud ding of the door opening, and a man walked into the shop. Hi! Welcome! How can I help you today? 
I said, as I walked behind the counter to wash my hands. Oh, give me a moment. I'm just looking, replied the man. This was not uncommon, so I brushed it off and told him to take his time. He leaned towards me a bit. You have really beautiful eyes, he said, smiling. I would never forget that smile. It was one of the most creepiest things I've ever seen. He exposed only his top teeth, continued staring at me, and kept licking his lips over and over. Um, thanks. Can I get you anything? I asked. He ignored my question. What time does your shop close? 8 p.m., I replied. Do you have any plans after work? He asked. Yes, I've got to go home and feed my dogs. I lied. Would you be interested in going somewhere with me tonight? He asked, his smile widening. No, thank you. I glanced up at the camera pointing down at us, and he looked upwards and directly into the lens, and then back at me. Do you have a boyfriend? Yes, I do, I responded. Come on, sweetheart. You don't have to lie to me. At this point, I was becoming seriously freaked out by this guy. Let's go somewhere after you get off work. No, thank you, I said firmly. Why not? He questioned, his smile fading from his mouth. Because I have just told you I have a boyfriend, and it would be inappropriate. I'm going to have to ask you to buy something or leave, I said, my voice sounding rather trembly. Oh, all right. Can I have a vanilla cupcake with pink frosting, please? I glanced over at the racks to check to see if we had any out. We did not. Just one moment, I replied. I walked into the kitchen as quickly as possible without breaking into a sprint. I frosted a cupcake and brought it back out as fast as possible, boxed it up, and asked for payment. He swiped his credit card and the payment was accepted. He continued staring at me. Do you need something else? I asked as I could feel my chest getting tight and my face getting hot. Can I have your number? He asked with a slight grin. No, I don't share my number with customers. He then stared directly into my eyes for a few more seconds his hands in his pockets. He started to get really red before saying, Sorry, I'm, I'm just really turned on right now, and proceeded to reach down his pants and start fondling himself right there in front of the counter. I was in total disbelief. I guess when he saw the look of horror on my face, he panicked and ran out of the door, leaving his cupcake on the counter. As soon as he left, the phone rang. It was my boss. Who's the creep? She inquired, as she had apparently been watching the security cameras to check in on me and could tell by my body language that something was not right. I immediately broke down and started crying as I never imagined something like this happening to me in a tiny little bakery. She told me to lock the door and call the police, who were stationed right across the street from us. My boss arrived about 30 minutes later, 
and the police were already there talking with me when she got there. They asked her to pull the security footage, and when we watched it, we saw that every time I had stepped into the kitchen to help other customers, he was fondling himself while their backs were turned. I gave them a description of what he looked like, and then they asked how he had paid. I told them he had swiped his credit card. My boss told them she could reprint the receipt from the transaction, which has the first and last names of the credit card holder. One of the cops asked someone back at the station to run the name, and almost immediately, they found his driver's license, which I confirmed to be the same person. My boss suggested that he might be recognized by the people who own the hookah bar next door to us, as his name sounded Middle Eastern. She asked him the next night, and they immediately recognized him as the younger brother of the guy they grew up with, who was engaged to be married within the month. The next day, the police went to his residence and arrested him for public indecency. Something my boss said to me that day has always stuck with me. If you ever feel unsafe at work, I want you to walk into the kitchen and go out the back door and call the police. Don't worry about the cash register. Don't worry about any of the food. All of those things can be replaced, but you can't. I felt so grateful to have a boss who actually cared about the safety of her employees. It took me a while to feel safe working the night shift again, but after a while, I got back into the swing of things, and I still work there to this day. I'm just glad I never saw that guy again, as the police ordered him to stay a hundred feet away from the property at all times. So creepy middle-aged guy who decided to harass and fondle himself in front of a teenage cashier, let's not meet.